Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast pre-training camp mailbag episode. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. We're going to do a little bit of a mailbag. Uh, We posted this in the Detroit Lions Podcast Patreon Slack. Uh, which, again, I strongly encourage you to join if you want to have intelligent discussion about the Lions, about the draft, about other things that are going on in the, in the world as well. Uh, it's just $5 a month. It's the best money you can spend. And the questions are all taken from the members here, and they asked some very good ones. Uh, so we're going to get to those. Uh, I'm recording this uh, uh, the day before camp starts, so uh, we don't have any reports from camp yet. Uh, and just as a, a quick housekeeping uh mechanism for the show next week i will probably not be live from allen park uh until friday Uh, i have some things going on that uh, are going to take some time away from that but then after that i will be there for the remainder of training camp including the joint practices and the preseason games without further ado let's get to the questions and as always i don't pre-screen these uh because i want you to get my honest reaction to the question uh i I have them organized here um, in the slack which you can Kind of see. Uh, let's go with one. All right. From my guy, Big Bad Fab. Most approved in camp, and why is it Julian? I assume that means Julian Okora and not King Julian from Madagascar, uh, which I weirdly watched yesterday. It's a fun movie. Um, he's one of them, certainly. Uh, I would put him lower on the list, though. I, I think in terms of most to prove, there's a few that, that stand out to me. One of them is Matt Nelson as the backup offensive tackle because he's not been great and they don't really have competition in for him. But Colby Sorsdahl is a fifth-round pick. They the, the plan appears to be to move him into guard, but this was a college right tackle at William & Mary. He's got tackle attributes, and I, I wonder if, if Nelson isn't getting it done, if they'll try... You know, if they'll, if they'll try Sorsdahl there, or if a guy like Jermaine Effetti, who comes in from the Bears and various other places over the careers, uh, Bengals, Seahawks, I believe, uh, if he can get a shot at it, or if Obena Ezi shows anything in his second season. We did not see much in the first season to, to portend that, but you never know. So uh, I, I think he's one. The running, I, were, I saw, I think there's a question I, I see right here about the running back. So I think we're going to, uh, We'll get to those in a minute. But the other, the, another one that has a lot to prove is Nate Sudfeld. Look, I, I think he's safe. I don't think he's going anywhere. But you cannot ignore the fact that the Lions cut both of their backup quarterbacks at the end of training camp last year because they were dissatisfied. This is their first real extended time looking at Sudfeld in that sort of capacity. And if he isn't getting it done and Hooker's ready, maybe, maybe, maybe. 
I don't think so, but maybe we'll see. I don't know. Um, I, by the way, I, I uh, earlier this week I uh, had written a thing about uh, roster locks for the offense and the defense, and I did not include Nate Sudfeld as a roster lock. And that got picked up by some aggregating thing, uh, and it <laughs> wildly misconstrued the spirit of the piece and my thoughts on Sudfeld. Uh, it made it appear as if I don't think that Nate Sudfeld is worthy of being on the roster, and that couldn't be further from the truth. After seeing him in minicamp and OTAs, I feel very comfortable about Nate Sudfeld going into camp as a backup quarterback. I don't, don't have any issue with that at all. Uh, so be careful with your sources. If you want to read my stuff, please go to Lions Wire. Check out the Detroit Lions podcast. You get me unfiltered here. Uh, that's one of the, the joys of being on the podcast. And uh, also you'll hear me on the huge show a little bit more, um, including weekly. And uh, if you tune in next week, I'll be hosting the show live myself uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. Tentatively, anyways. So next question. Oh, Fab asks another one. Fab, I'll give this to you because you're a good dude. I love you. Um he asks about Levi Anzarike. Is there a better than 20% chance of seeing Levi in the regular season? That's optimistic. Maybe. Uh, again, we saw him moving around fairly well in minicamp, working with trainers. Still not cleared for contact. i just say this, uh, and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Nobody ever used to have a back problem, especially after back surgery. This is an injury that goes back to 2018. Uh, and, and aside from the fact that, you know, whether he's healthy or not, this is a guy who's played football two seasons of the last five. Keep your expectations really, really low. His progress, his football development has been severely curtailed by the injuries. So even if he is healthy, he might not be the guy that he was when he came out of Washington as a second round pick with all that promise. Uh, because he's played, what, 16 games in three years? Because uh, remember, he didn't play his last year at Washington either. So uh, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to say. Uh, I would say that if you're counting on, <coughs> excuse me, if you're counting on Levi Anzarike to be a significant part of this team, you're probably counting a little too much. Uh, next one. Let me get a little coffee here. I like this one. This one comes from Maddie K. What is the biggest scheme weakness on defense from last year that you would like to see changed? <laughs> I want to see more aggressive use of the off-ball linebackers in the pass rush, specifically Derek Barnes and Alex Anzalone blitzing. Anzalone has his faults. One of the things that he's always been good at, even going back to Florida, he's a very exceptional blitzer in terms of getting his timing and finding his routes to the quarterback. Doesn't always finish when he gets there. He's really good at creating the pressure, though. Derek Barnes, we saw at Purdue, he was a he was a edge pass rusher. He was their version of Micah Parsons, what he was at Penn State. The Lions molded Barnes into being an off-ball linebacker. Parenthetically speaking, here the Lions would have done that with Micah Parsons as well. Uh, I know there was a lot of people that wanted really wanted Micah Parsons in Detroit. He wouldn't be the Micah Parsons that he is in Dallas in Detroit because he would be playing the Derek Barnes role. Now, hopefully the coaching staff would see that he has that incredible potential and go on, but but I digress. They haven't done that with Barnes, uh, and this is a good one. Barnes, by the way, is another guy, uh, to answer the first question, who's uh, got some pressure on him to perform this training camp. 
uh, because it's his third year and it's getting to the point where it's put up or shut up time with him. Uh, and uh, I, I like his odds to put up, by the way, after what we've seen and heard from Kelvin Shepard this offseason. Um, but back to the, the thing, I want to see them create more pressures from beyond and, and maybe even like the zone blitz where you have a guy like James Houston on the outside and he can drop into his zone and you blitz Barnes creatively or do something like that. I would like to see more of that. I think that would keep defenses keep the offense off balance, not necessarily be as predictable because uh, th- there were times last year where, okay, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be over here. He's rushing probably on the outside, especially if he's standing up. John Kaminsky is going to attack the gap between the guard and the tackle. The nose tackle is going to hold hold ground whoever it was, whether it's Bugs or McNeil or whatever. And then on the other side, your pass rusher is going to try to loop around the left tackle and get around. And I, it got... I don't want to say predictable, but sort of like stayed. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't something that offenses feared other than if, if their offensive line executed, they were okay. I want more pressure than that. And I also think that you can do some things with the slot corners, uh, specifically CJ Gardner Johnson and Brian Branch, both of whom have shown that they can blitz in the past coming out of that slot. So I, that, I would like that. More pressure created by that second level of the defense between the first and the third. I think the Lions have personnel to do it, and I'd like to see them do that more. Good question. All right. Oh, here we go. Good one from Ben W. What are some offensive wrinkles uh, you want to Ben Johnson to add this year, especially considering some of the personnel changes made this offseason? Uh, to make sure he breaks tendencies and continues to push the envelope so that he doesn't get, quote-unquote, figured out by defensive coordinators. And if you've watched previous episodes of the Detroit Lions podcast here, uh, you'll know that that's something that does concern me a little bit, that uh, defenses are going to have a year of film on Johnson and Goff and what they like to do, and they will make some adjustments to it. And basically what's being asked here is what can Ben Johnson and Jared Goff do in with the offense to to react to those reactions, to counter those. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more. <laughs> the Lord's going to strike me down. In this. I want to see Jared Goff run an RPO or two because he's not as unathletic as I think a lot of you think he is. Uh, look, he's not Jalen Hurst. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not even Joe Burrow, but he's not, he's not like Phillip Rivers back there. You know, he's not, he can move around a little bit. He can, uh, we, we did see it a couple times last year. I believe it was the, the second Minnesota game where he kept one uh, and, and gained some yards. I think I like the idea of the two backs is the primary thing. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs in the game at the same time together, line them up in the backfield. Gibbs can be a variable. He can you know flex out into the slot. He can you know do a whole bunch of different things. You can run a power eye out of that with, with David Montgomery as your lead blocker. Uh, and he is good at that, by the way. And you can have Gibbs run off that. You can do a lot of different things. You can run that power eye, and you can have Amon Ra take a direct handoff. Uh, uh, there, there's a number of different things. That's that's a way to get JMO involved too. So I would love to see more two back looks. It's something that I cried for for years in Cleveland when they had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, which for my money was the best backfield in football. And they they the one year they ran eleven plays out of it, and that bothered me that they didn't try to take advantage of their their best players. I think that Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are two of the best skill position players on the team. Figure out a way to play them together, and that's going to confuse offenses uh, because, again, Gibbs' versatility, 
That, that's a that's a weapon that the Lions can use. Even if he doesn't get the ball, he can impact the defense and, and create things for other people. And I think that's that's one of the directions that I would like to see Ben Johnson go there. Another good question. This is see, this is why you join the Patreon Slack because you get good. You, I get asked good questions like this, much better than the social media questions that I get of, you know, uh, what did Carlos have for breakfast today? I don't. I don't really care. I don't care. Okay. Um. <laughs> Several questions about inside the den here. Uh, I will just say this. Uh, I predicted that they would drop it on July 18th because that happened to be my son's 18th birthday and I wouldn't be able to watch it because I was busy with him. It's now the 19th. They didn't drop it yet. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's being dropped tonight either. So uh, that's probably not going to... It is what it is, folks. Um, keep waiting for it. Uh, they have teased it a lot. Uh, we have heard through various channels that they do, in fact, have the product. It's just not releasing. I don't work for the Lions. I couldn't tell you when it's going to happen. Um, that that wipes out like three or four of the questions here. Uh, here's a good one from Mike. Does James Mitchell overtake Brock Wright at TE2, assuming Laporta is TE1 fairly quickly? Uh, first off, I share your assumption that, Matt, that Sam Laporta will be TE1 fairly quickly. And I think we're going to like that as Lions fans. The James Mitchell, Brock Wright, Shane Zilstra, Derek Deese situation is one to watch. It's a camp battle, and I don't think there is a predetermined ending to that battle just yet. My basic take is that James Mitchell will do a lot more of the inline work because I think he's a more, he's, he's bigger, he's stronger, and I think he's a more tenacious blocker. But don't, don't read into that that Brock Wright isn't capable of, of performing in that role. One of the reasons why the Lions liked Sam Laporte, and this is something that we picked up at the Combine uh, in, in talking to, to both agents and a couple of Lions sources, was that they were looking more for a specific, like a specialist at, at the position. That's one of the reasons why Sam Laporte is here. He's a receiving specialist. He might play some wide receiver. They were looking to get away from more of the jack-of-all-master-of-no-trades type of tight end, which I think is how they viewed TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I think that, obviously, a very good one of those, higher than, than Brock Wright, but that they wanted to get to more specified roles rather than just having the sort of generic, and, and it feels like I'm ripping on Brock Wright here, and I don't mean to do that because I like the dude. I think he's a good football player, and I think he's going to make the team. But that's... Uh, I would say that you're probably going to see it more situational um, between two, three, and, and four if they keep four, and they could keep four conceivably. Uh, from based on what we saw from Shane Zilstra in the mini camps, he was very involved in the red zone drills, and that's that's an area where he, he again he caught three touchdowns last year. He's, he's capable there, so I would. Uh, hold off on answering that one definitively until after training camp because I, 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 I think the Lions are very open-minded on that. Let's see. <laughs> Cannot escape Malik Willis to save my life. Any chance we claim Malik Willis off waivers? No. <laughs> Leave that there. All right. Uh... Good question from Schultz here. He's he's got a couple of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to the second one that's on the line here. Uh, will JMO catch more or less than 40 passes this year after returning from the suspension? So 11 games, 40 passes. That's a little under four per game. I hope he gets to 40. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the over, 
quite frankly, because I think what he does is I, I think he's more quality reception than quantity. I'm not sure he's ever going to catch a great abundance of balls, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that has a game line of three catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. I think that's that's what I'm expecting more out of JMO, especially this year, uh, given the fact that he's going to miss a little bit of time uh, at the beginning of the season, the first six games. So uh, in 11 games, 40 catches, that's, that's right around where I see him being. Uh, again, and, and some of this, it, and again, this isn't, this isn't a criticism of JMO at all. It's more the Lions offense is designed to take advantage of the biggest matchup ex, matchup that they can exploit. And Jared Goff is very good at identifying that. And if JMO is that guy, there there will be a game or two where he might get eight targets. And based on his history, he catches five of those, hopefully. Uh, and might get over 100 yards a couple of times. But there's also going to be a couple of games where he's going to catch two passes for 27 yards. That's I think that's the JMO that we're going to get. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's not being productive or helping the team, though, because his speed creates a lot of, of open room for guys like Amon Ross St. Brown. All the tight ends we just talked about. Jameer Gibbs coming out of the backfield like we just talked about. That's that's the the added value that JMO brings that they are going to miss when he's not on the field because uh, they look Kayleigh Raymond can fly. He he just he's he's what six inches five inches shorter uh, than than JMO and doesn't have that you know top end acceleration in the open field. Uh, and I think that that's something that defenses absolutely have to respect. Uh, and they're not going to respect it as much uh, from others until until proven otherwise. Um, I like this one. Will all five O-line starters begin the season this year? That's another one from Schultz. Uh, yes. Yes, they will. Really hope so. Knock on wood. I got a lot of wood to knock on here. Knocking on every piece of wood that I can that all five stay healthy for the entire season. Uh, but, man, it would be it would be great to have that five some together because they are... They're not the best, but they're not far behind. <laughs> they're, they're certainly top five, top three. Uh, I, I, I go to war with this offensive line um, with anyone. So, yeah, please please stay healthy, especially you, Frank. We need you. All right. Um, okay, with, with camp coming up, and so one of the things that's going on is the Lions are ticketing for it, for training camp seats this year for fans. It's free. Uh, and it's something that a lot of other teams have done for a very long time. I know the Colts have done this for years. The Browns have done it as long as I started going to Berea, and that was back in 2008, 2009. Um, it's, it's just for crowd control purposes, uh, so you don't you know, have people showing up and, and being turned away. And the Lions released the tickets this morning, and they went away very quickly. So uh, are the Lions looking at a new... Or I'm sorry, any new rumors on a new Lions practice facility? And some of this came up a little bit earlier this offseason when Dan Campbell came out here to my side of the state. I live, I live in Holland. Uh, he came to Grand Rapids and talked about wanting to get a practice or two out here at some point. And the Lions, I can tell you, have taken that seriously. It's not going to happen in 2023, but you might see that happen in 2024. They have, they have, they have in fact, scouted locations. I know they have because I've talked to people at the locations that they've scouted about it. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Don't, don't, don't misconstrue that. But they're looking to keep their options open and see what's out there. 
And I think the joint practices with the Colts last year, where there were, I want to say, 7,500 people allowed at uh, at the facility down in, in Indianapolis, which, which is gorgeous, by the way. It's a great, great place. And I think that the Lions sense that they could do more with that. Now, the problem is, is they just don't have the space for it in Allen Park. They're confined uh, where they're at, and there's not really any opportunity for them to expand that out or make it bigger or more of a fan-friendly experience. They, they've done about the best that they can do with that facility, so could they move it to a different place, whether it's more out by Ipsy or uh, more north of the city or even a little, even south, you know, downriver a little bit. There, there are sites that are out there, you know, more, more out by the airport too, uh, they should consider this. I, I don't know that they are for a permanent facility. We've heard, we've heard, was it Rod Wood? I think it was Rod Wood that talked about it at the owners' meetings, uh, in one of his interviews there. That yes, that they're 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 contemplating. I think was the word that was used. Um, what they their options for it, and I do think that the idea of having a a larger facility that's integrated with some other things like. Like in Indianapolis, the, uh, their area is in, integrated with a giant soccer tournament facility. So if you have kids that play youth soccer, they've played there, I guarantee it, um, if, if they're any good at all. Uh, so, and there's other places that do that too. You know, the, the Houston Texans training camp is uh, integrated with, with an, an area where there's a lot of other things that you can do going on. You know, the, and speaking as a sports parent here, Michigan doesn't really have the places where you have the mega facility that holds it. I, I was in Cincinnati a couple weekends ago at a basketball facility that had 32 courts inside it. Uh, not far away from that, there was a softball complex that had like 20 fields. Um, there's that, that that exists also by Cedar Point in the Sandusky area. You know, the, the, Michigan doesn't really have anything like that. And I think the Lions could sense an opportunity there to be the people that bring that there. Uh, because I, I will tell you, again, as a sports parent, I spend more weekends in Indiana and Ohio and Illinois and Louisville. I'm in Louisville a lot, folks. A lot. I would love for some of that, to, some of my travel dollars to stay in Michigan and some of other people from other states to come into Michigan and do that. And there really isn't that right now. Uh, and there, there's an opportunity for the Lions to be the spearhead that makes that happen. And I would strongly encourage the Lions to explore that, even though I personally have no qualms with, with Allen Park. But again, I'm not, I'm not the fan. I'm there, um, from, from the media standpoint. So from a fan perspective, I would love to see them be able to get more in and be able to do more things around it. And they don't really have that potential in Allen Park either. So it's a good question. It's something that, uh, I hope that we can ask Rod Wood about again. Uh, in the near future, a uh, couple of, uh, okay. From grandpa grit is Robbie Gould an option for, I'm sorry, Robbie gold. I read it as gold. Sorry. It's gold, uh, an option for the team. And do you think Holmes has interest in him? No, I don't think he is. Uh, first off, I believe he's 42 years old. He's not coming off of a great year. Uh, I, I want to say that Michael Badgley, the money badger was better than him. Uh, and certainly is better than him on kickoffs. One of the things that Robbie Gold has lacked for some time is the ability to consistently drive the ball as a as a kickoff weapon into the touchbacks. Uh, he's very good at the splash kick, but the Lions are not all that interested in doing that from what we've heard from Dave Fipp and Dan Campbell. So 
I think they're going to battle with the kickers that they've got. I will uh, reiterate my earlier statement from right around draft time that y'all hate Michael Badgley way too much. It's it's unhealthy how much criticism he takes from the Lions fan base simply because he's not Matt Prater or Jason Hansen. The Money Badger is fine for what the Lions want from their kicker. He's fine. There's no impetus to get rid of him. They do have competition for him, and I'm glad they did bring competition. He deserves to have the competition from John Parker Romo and from Riley Patterson. But from what we saw from them in minicamp, I've used this line before, I'll use it again. Michael Badgley was one of the biggest winners of minicamp simply by not participating and letting Riley Patterson and John Parker Romo prove that they're probably not better than him. Uh, so I, I don't think they're going to bring in any other kickers. I think they're going to go with their three. I think uh, Badgley's stability is something that they would quietly like to have uh, stay intact for a few more years because he's a younger guy um, and has had some success in his career. Uh, and uh, for the, the folks who are anybody can't kick the long field goals, Dan Campbell doesn't kick the long field goals. He's said this several times. If he's kicking 54-yard field goals, they're going for it, folks. That's one of the reasons why we like Dan Campbell. It's one of the reasons why the analytics love Dan Campbell. He doesn't kick low-percentage long field goals. He goes for it to maximize the point potential and also to trust in his defense. Don't think that the defense doesn't appreciate that vote of confidence. Keep that in mind when you're when you're ripping on Michael Badgley unnecessarily the next time. Sound like his agent. Ugh. All right. Uh, good one here from, from Chef. 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 What can I say? Chef James. I don't know why I can't say that. Chef James. Thank you for the question. What is the chance of Mo Ibrahim to work in the red zone or on short yardage making the team for situations when you need a guy that can pummel his way for extra yards? And I'm going to broaden this answer uh, because there's a lot of folks that assume that Mo Ibrahim has already made the team, and I would challenge you, do not make that assumption. Uh, He's good. He's certainly got a chance. Uh, He is a very good between-the-tackles type of runner. He's got to prove himself in pass protection. He's got to prove himself on special teams. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. there There are issues that complicate him making the team. Craig Reynolds is generally regarded as the guy who will hold that role as the sort of short yardage specialist. And I would agree that, uh, look, I love Craig, but I think that he could be a little bit more dynamic in that role. But I don't think that the Lions are dissatisfied with him in that role. And I I also think that we got a little bit spoiled by Jamal Williams being so successful in it last year that I think maybe you're going to see a little bit more creativity in ways to try to get that done. Maybe Sam Laporta lines up as an H-back and takes a direct snap and, and does that. There are ways to get around and not having the, the short yardage isolation back. But as, as far as Mo Ibrahim goes, he would fit that role pretty well, and that would probably be about the extent of his role if he does make the team. Good question. See, we're getting, we're getting great questions. Appreciate you all on this. Um, by the way, you can get a chance to ask more of these questions of us uh, myself, Chris, a uh, special guest, uh, who I know who it is, to be named very shortly at our training camp party, which is uh, Saturday, August 5th at the Uptown Grill in Commerce Township. It's Tickets are available. I believe they're $30. Uh, you can buy them uh, on the Detroit Lions podcast. Click uh, search party and you'll find it. Uh, and you'll want to come out. It's a great time. Uh, I think it's the 8th or 7th or 8th annual one. It's a great time. Uh, you'll see a lot of a lot of people that you know 
from the Lions media sphere uh, coming out there. Dan Miller has already committed to coming out again. So it'll be a lot of fun. Again, Saturday, August 5th at the Uptown Grill in Commerce Township, which has the cleanest bathrooms I've ever seen for a place that's that busy. I'll give you all that. Um, kudos to Brandon out there for, for setting that up for us. <laughs> all right. Uh, barring injury. This is from Greg Warren. My guy, Greg. Do you think Brad Holmes is done trading during this preseason? I would tell you there are rumors that they are looking at Denzel Mims, uh, the wide receiver from the Jets. I don't know how serious that is, but it sounds like they are at least looking at it. So they're probably not done. I think in terms of moves of consequence, they're probably done. I don't think Denzel Denzel Mims would be a move of consequence. I don't think trading for another running back or tight end or even reserve offensive lineman, which I think is an area that they can bolster. I think you're getting anybody of consequence that's available right now. Um, and the street free agents, I don't, other than Indama and Sue maybe coming in as a ring whore um, after training camp begins, because he, he, he didn't do a training camp. Uh, I don't blame him either for that. Uh, that's, there's just not a lot of outside additions that make a lot of sense that would make the Detroit Lions better, and I think that Brad Holmes is, is keenly aware of that. But uh, no, keep your eyes open. I, don't, I, I certainly wouldn't rule things out on that. Uh, let's see. One other good question. One from Mongo, um, and then we'll wrap this up. Who do you think will be the most improved Lion this year? That's a great question, and it's one that I have pondered because I've been assigned to write something like this. Um, one of the things with the USA Today Wire Networks is that we do a lot of things where all the editors have to answer the same question, and this is one of the questions that we have to answer, uh, and mine is due soon, and I haven't answered it yet. So uh, I'm talking my way through this because I'm thinking... <sighs> Derek Barnes is a good good candidate. I think Jerry Jacobs is, and and this is no disrespect to Jerry, I think he has room to improve, and I think he can do it with a full, healthy offseason where he's not, his rookie season was fighting to make the team. Uh, And then in last year, he was coming back from injury. So he hasn't really had the mentality of being the confident swagger guy that can like really work on his craft in the structure of the defense rather than just having other things going on. I think that might help Jerry evolve into a, a guy that we don't question as an outside starting cornerback. Aleem McNeil is probably the the best answer because I think Aleem is due to break out. What you saw with him against the New York Giants, where I believe he registered 10 quarterback pressures and also helped stuff Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon, by the way, 22 carries for 22 yards on 15 carries in that game. Probably not the best example to use if you're trying to say, you know, that you deserve to get paid more. I don't know. Pretty good, pretty good feather in the cap with the Lions defense. But Ali McNeil, I think, is a guy who is going to emerge as a Pro Bowl caliber. Uh, Look, there's a lot of good players in his position. I don't think he's like Chris Jones or anything like that, but I think he can be in the Sheldon Richardson type of impact. Uh, uh, Who's the guy in uh, Jonathan Allen in Washington? That type of player. And a dangerous upfield inside tackle um, with some positional versatility along the inside. And I think I think fans are going to feel a lot better about the defensive line once they see Aleem McNeil. A leaner and, uh, I don't know meaner, but uh, certainly more, more dynamic Aleem McNeil in action. 
All right. Well, that's 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 long enough, folks. I've talked long enough at you. Um, I got to get more coffee um, going here. Thank you for joining the Detroit Lions podcast. I am Jeff Risden, managing editor of Lions Wire and co-host here at the Detroit Lions podcast. Hope to see you at the training camp party. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.